Welcome to Archie Digest, a Riverdale podcast. This is a podcast about a story, about a town, and it's just Russ Berlingame again. I know that after I did my quick response to the previous episode that I had said we were going to immediately jump on and get everybody together to do a real episode. Unfortunately, that did not happen, and it was just a combination of a lot of factors. Thanksgiving happened, the DC crossover happened, and sucked up a lot of our time, and a couple of us had deaths in the families and other other sorts of things that jumped out at us and, and kind of have made it impossible for the three of us to all get together. I did, however, want to, because it is the night that Riverdale airs, at least give a quick kind of look at what my feelings on the episode were. I thought this was a really strong episode. I loved the framing device, and I loved the uh, like the Pulp Fiction-y uh, framing device uh, and I loved the opening with the analog slash film uh, stock kind of quality to it where it looked like it had burns and such. The, the three stories that they chose to kind of focus on in their weird intertwined anthology I thought worked really well, uh, especially once you get towards the end of the, the episode and you could start to see how they were playing into each other and you could kind of start to predict like, oh, we're going to see this, this, and this. I do think that they gave away a lot too much in uh, promotional material because we had both Sheriff Keller and Chuck Clayton more or less revealed what was going on with them in various kind of the episode synopsis and in photos from the episode and things like that, like official studio materials that theoretically shouldn't be spoiling, like the big surprise that, okay, yeah, Sheriff Keller isn't the killer, or is he? What's really funny is that while Craig has continued to fixate on Sheriff Keller as a killer, uh, I came up with that theory last season and then I abandoned it pretty quickly and I've never really gone back to it. Even this season I didn't really think that he was a good candidate for the Black Hood, but given the fact that this season is kind of built on a foundation of horror movies, I almost feel like this episode makes him more of a suspect than he otherwise might have been. Like, explicitly saying, no, it's not him, almost makes me think it's more likely. He still is not my suspect. I still don't really have a suspect outside of maybe Hal Cooper or Smithers. But I, I, I think that the idea of looking at Sheriff Keller we're supposed to dismiss it after this episode. And because they took pains to make sure that we were supposed to dismiss it, that actually made me want to look into it more rather than less. Certainly, you know, his, his evidence is his logbook and that could have been falsified. I mean, if he was the red hood or if he was the black hood, he wouldn't like, he would have known all along that the logbook could end up being entered into evidence. Uh, so certainly that's an element of it. There's also the element of having, potentially two black hoods. Uh, certainly there's nothing really suspicious about having the like murder wall in his home office, considering that he's 
like the one full-time cop in Riverdale, as far as we can tell. But there is something kind of suspicious about him having Archie's black hood that he confiscated from the locker, because, like, that's evidence. That's weird. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things where I almost feel more inclined to look at Keller as a result of this episode than I otherwise might have. Um... I thought that the Josie episode, portion of the episode was probably the strongest bit. I'm really, really glad that we got to see Ashley Murray do so much great work this episode. I really liked the fact that Chuck Clayton came back in the way that he did. I mean, certainly, it's it's hard to forgive him because he was such a kind of monstrous character when he was introduced. And I do think it'll be interesting to see how the largely female fan base of this show responds to a guy like Chuck kind of saying, no, 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 I've changed and coming back looking for redemption. But I hope that it's for real. I hope that, you know, this brief false accusation doesn't send him back down a dark path or anything. I do know that there's been a lot of conversation about the fact that his his character being the one who was kind of the most damaged by the translation from page to screen had uh, troubled some people who thought there were potentially racist undertones to it. Uh, certainly that's something that would be nice to kind of get away from, even if it wasn't intended. That's obviously something you want to be sensitive to. Also, I, I do think there's an interesting story element to somebody like that being redeemable. I mean, these are still high school kids, and at the end of the day, there's very little they can do that would actually mess up their lives forever. And... So it, it's interesting to see them kind of bring a character back who was so despicable the last time we saw him and to kind of go out of their way to not just show that he's changed, at least somewhat, but then to also do the misdirect of like, but maybe he's still a jerk. Oh, no, he's not. And you almost feel a little bit sorry for him, which I thought was a neat magic trick on the part of the writers because it's really hard to believe anybody would feel sorry for Chuck Clayton after last season. But I really liked the Josie aspect. Curious to see what happens going forward, considering that she was being kind of manipulated and harassed by Cheryl this whole time. I'm kind of wondering what that endgame was and like whether there actually is a record deal that, that is in the offing or whether she was really just messing with her for some other undisclosed reason and, and pretending like there was a record deal was a convenient way to break up. Uh, her or to disrupt her relationship with the Pussycats. I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting... That whole bit seems like the least fully realized of the three subplots. The Betty and Jug stuff and the Archie... Or the Archie and Jug stuff and the Betty and Veronica stuff obviously had kind of a clear arc to it. And even though they, all, they were all left on kind of bad endings that beg for more I felt like they were relatively clear in where in the, the kind of direction that they're heading whereas the, the Josie and, and Cheryl stuff seemed kind of hard to peg down uh, the, the Jughead and Archie stuff I think is the stuff that, that was the most frustrating to me not because it wasn't good per se but I you know the the subplot of Jughead with the serpents is the kind of thing that uh, 
it's getting a lot of real estate, and understandably so, but I'm concerned that I'm going to burn out on that story. I haven't yet, but I'm super cautious about certain elements, and Penny Peabody is one of those things where, like, she's revealing herself to be the sort of character that I personally, as a viewer, do not enjoy. Um, I, I liken it to the, uh, the FBI agent who's been investigating Oliver Queen on Arrow. It's like, that's actually a pretty full, pretty well-written bit, and the, uh, the actor who plays uh, Agent Watson, she's great. Uh, it's really just a matter of that particular story is one that I don't connect with for whatever reason. And that, that sort of villain, I feel like there's an element of, you know, you're supposed to love to hate the villain. And for some of these villains who are more kind of pulling strings within the system, and they're either officious and callous, like the FBI agent on Arrow, or they're manipulating kind of larger picture things like uh, Penny Peabody is. I just, I just, I lose patience for it. And I guess part of that is because my worldview is such that white-collar crime and a bunch of a-holes who basically behave like that ruin everything. Uh, but it's like... That element is super stressful, and I'm I'm definitely interested to see where it goes. I want to see whether, uh, you know, we've we've seen uh, set photos and and promotional photos and the teaser for next week's episode that kind of indicate that we're going to see um, FP out of jail sooner than later. And I do wonder if all of this and and kind of having dirt on Jug is part of a larger move by Penny to try and use Jughead as leverage against him to take over the serpents so that she can do whatever it is that she's doing because obviously she's not on the same side of deal soft drugs and keep the gang war out of out of town that FP has been steering the serpents in. So that's all that whole bit is like I said it was my kind of least favorite of the three but it's definitely interesting. Uh, I thought that again with with uh with Sheriff Keller, the big reveal that he's having an affair with Mayor McCoy was a little bit, eh, because at least in the episode synopsis, they had done the, and somebody's having an affair thing, and while it was not actually from his affair, the shot of Martin Cummins topless when uh, Veronica walks in on him in his home gym was used in the trailer, and immediately my brain went to, oh, so... You know, agent or so uh, Sheriff Keller's having an affair, and as we've kind of talked about on this show before, he doesn't interact with anybody except for Mayor McCoy. So it almost kind of feels like if he's going to have an affair, of course it's with Mayor McCoy. Uh, I will say that I liked the mention of Kevin's mom being stationed in Mar- in Bahrain uh, in the military. Uh, the fact that we didn't know what her deal was or where she had gone was something that we've kind of commented on a few times, and I do like the idea of Kevin's mom standing in for Kevin's dad, who obviously was a uh, a big part of his kind of early stories in the comics. And Kevin's dad in the comics is a high-ranking military official, which, you know, in the United States, where Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still law when Kevin was created, was a whole other kind of conversation that characters had to have and that was very interesting so I, I i'm glad to see that they kind of retained that even though obviously we aren't it's a different culture now don't ask don't tell has been off the books for quite a while and the 
the fact that his mom's out of the picture means that his sexuality and her, you know, military slash political leanings don't have much of a uh, of an intersection. But uh, I, I liked that they did it because it, it gives you that little bit of like, oh, this is from the comics, which again kind of speaks to besides just trying to bring Chuck back from the brink a little bit. They also gave him that sub, not a, not even a subplot, but they gave him a, a reference to the fact that he wants to be an illustrator. He wants to like draw comics or children's books, which is what he does in the comics, and he's considered kind of a prodigy, and, and he's allowed to kind of do that and not be a giant nerd because he's an athlete, but he mostly is known as like the super talented artist who's going to go places. And so it feels almost like this episode, they tried to buy back a little bit of real estate from the comics that they had, I won't say neglected, because it didn't necessarily have to be there, because the comics and the show are a different thing. But uh, it was nice to see it. So, I'm going to include Chris Hayner's thoughts. I believe he sent some thoughts to me uh, that, that I'm going to paste together. I will try to get at least myself and Craig, maybe myself, Craig, and Chris together sometime in the next few days. However, I am going to Ireland on Sunday for a set visit to Krypton, which means I don't know what our episode looks like next week, and I don't know what our potential for recording an episode is this week if we don't get it done in the next day or so. So stay tuned. I absolutely will have whatever content uh, is available to you guys that, that is possible. I appreciate your patience with us. Uh, our, our numbers, our downloads and things have stayed remarkably consistent considering that we had technical problems for the first two episodes of the, of the season and then, you know, logistical problems in episodes six and seven. So thanks so much for that. Remember to like, subscribe, rate us on iTunes or whatever your, uh, podcast player of choice is and, uh, stick around for what Chris Hainer has to say about this episode. And then we'll see you soon. Definitely soon. This is Chris, and you've already been welcome to the show, uh, so I got nothing to add there. Uh, I couldn't be uh, as part of the regular podcast tonight because I've got some family stuff I'm dealing with in Northern California, but I have watched the episode. I don't, I think it's episode seven. I don't know what chapter it is or the title, although Mayor McCoy did say something about not being out after sundown but I think the town that dreaded sundown was the last episode anyway uh, just uh, wanted to get down some quick thoughts on the episode which I enjoyed I liked the the story that the storytelling uh, was done in a different way we got to kind of see different points of view of a day in uh, a really sad falling apart version of Riverdale um Something that stood out to me, I think, from maybe, like, the first shot in the entire episode is, did I miss the part where Jughead got a tattoo, or am I simply forgetting that Jughead got a tattoo? Because Jughead has a tattoo, a serpent's tattoo now. Um, maybe that happened. I don't remember. Um... I loved how much Josie we got in this episode. I love that they're trying to redeem Chuck Clayton. 
I hope that is something that continues because it'd be nice if that character wasn't toxic and unapproachable. Uh, I wish I could say I'm surprised that Keller and McCoy are having an affair, but I feel like it's been a little bit telegraphed. Uh, once they were seen together, I thought, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I was a bit taken off base by, I think, Josie and the Pussycats breaking up? I think. I don't think it'll last. I think they'll get back together, but like it was clear that uh, the the Pussycats were none too pleased with what Josie was up to, and while tension in that group could be a good storytelling device, I think we all agree that they're better together than apart, and that's where we need them. So hopefully, hopefully they're not apart for too long. Um, Jughead is... He preached... He approached Archie levels of stupid this week with the, everything with involving the snake charmer. Obviously, she was playing him. His dad told him that she would be playing him at some point, and he just bought it hook, line, and sinker, and dragged Archie into it, and now they're both on the hook for possibly getting busted for moving what I'm assuming are drugs. Jingle, jangle. I hate saying that. Um, but yeah, in the end, I really loved the episode. It was different. It was a lot darker. Um... I don't know why Pop Tate is being used as the spokesperson for the Black Hood, but I'm fine with it, uh, just because I like Pop Tate being around. Uh, I enjoyed Betty and Veronica getting their private detective on. That was fun. Uh, yeah. That's all I got this week. Hopefully I'll be back next week. I probably should be back next week. All right. Uh, that's it. Goodbye. Archie's here, Betty's here, Veronica too, Reggie's here. Hey Jughead, where are you? Come on, let's go with the Archie Show.